Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, this is week two in a message series called Isn't She Lovely? And the she to which we refer is, of course, the church. We talked a little bit uh, last week about how the Apostle Paul, when he writes to the different churches that he writes to, he often refers to the church as the bride of Christ. Now, that's kind of a weird thing to say. And it's, and it's, you know, if you grew up in church and you heard that, especially as a guy, it's just sort of a little weird. We don't quite know how to process that. So we dove into that last week, and here's what we came up with. If you're approaching your wedding day, and this may apply to some of you if you're engaged or you're, somebody in your family is engaged, uh, as you approach the wedding day, the, the details pile up. There's a lot of stuff to think about. There's a lot of different things to be, to be distracted by. And it's exactly at this moment when the bride and groom ought to be focused on each other and looking into each other's eyes and, and preparing for their wedding day emotionally, they're caught up in all the stuff that goes along with a wedding, particularly a Long Island wedding. Yes? Long Island wedding's a little extra, a little crazy. Somebody here's engaged. Said, okay, so, but yeah, you know, Long Island weddings are crazy, right? So Long Island weddings are a little bit nuts. So it's like, you know, you got all these different details that, that you, can, you can get distracted by and, and miss the beauty of what's supposed to be happening. So what we talked about last week was some similarities within the church. When you come to church on Sunday, there's a lot you could be distracted by. I mean, we're coming here to connect with God, but there's a lot of things that could distract you. You could pull in the parking lot. You know, if the parking lot's busy and the parking lot's really full and you know, you have to park out in Guam because it's a long way away and you're walking back and it's hot. You're kind of, you're a little frustrated maybe and you, you get into the church and you go to find your, you know, you're trying to make your coffee and maybe you wanted some, you know, you're, you're a little unhappy because you, you like oat milk in your coffee or you like almond milk in your coffee or you like some kind of weird nut milk in your coffee that, that we don't have. And you're just a little bit upset because this happened, okay? So you're, you're a little bit upset because we didn't have the thing that you like in your coffee. And then you come inside and, 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 and the worship leader who's your favorite worship leader isn't leading worship today. So there's a little something and you're like, you know, and, and maybe the speaker you were hoping to hear wasn't here, or maybe the whatever, like something, something isn't quite right in your purview. You're looking, your sight line isn't quite totally happy, and the circumstances haven't all lined up for you today. And, and now like you're coming into church, and there's a couple of things already that are irritating you. Two steps down the road, you spend the whole time in church distracted, and you could come to church and miss Jesus. Like you could come to church and miss connecting with God because you're distracted by all this stuff. So what we kind of landed on last week is that what we're called to do is focus on God the way a bride focuses on her groom in purity and readiness with our eyes on him, not worried about what anyone else is doing, not worried about what anyone else is thinking, and also not spending any time worrying about who else got invited to the wedding. Christians tend to be a little bit, if, you're, if you, this may not be for all of you, but if, you're, if you would self-identify as a believer, sometimes we spend a little time worrying, you know, who else, who else got invited to the wedding? I don't know if they belong here. I don't know if they should be here. Maybe, they, maybe their lifestyle excludes them. Maybe they shouldn't be a part of the thing. This is nonsense. We get, we get all caught up in all kinds of other things when our whole business, our whole, our whole occupation is to be keeping our eyes on him. Now let me ask you guys a question. 
Do you, in your life, do you favor some people over others? Yeah, of course you do. You favor some people. We all do, right? You favor some people over others. What I'm going to do next is read you a couple of verses, and we're going to respond to these verses together. And th this, this text is one that kind of keeps coming up for us. We've read this at different points over the last year or two uh, in our messages. And it's kind of becoming a bit of a theme, right? This is James chapter 2, remembering that we just all agreed that sometimes we show favor to some, some people over others. James chapter 2. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? Oops. For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? James here is not talking about the favor that we show to our friends and family. If your spouse is your favorite person, that's good. If your children are your favorite children, that's good, <laughs> right? If your friends, we, we all show special favor to, to our loved ones. They have a special plate, place in our heart. We greet them in a different way than we would greet strangers. That's normal. That's not what James is talking about. James is talking about a tendency within the people in the church to look at others um, askance, to look at others uh, in, in a way that, that is a, a little bit judgmental. Right? So let's talk about some of our differentiators. We've got some things in the room that could, that could, uh, different, that could kind of split us up. We've got some things in the room that we, about which we operate differently. So let's, let's talk, for starters, about how we dress ourselves, about how we dress when we come to church. Some of you guys out there are dedicated, hardcore shorts and flip-flop guys. And I respect it. I love it. You're here in the winter in shorts and flip-flops. Rock on with your bad self. That's what you do. Cool. Cool, cool, and cool. Others of you, shirt and tie maybe. You're, you just dress a little, get, get a little dressed up for church, and that's cool, and that's how you roll, and that's good. So now let's cut to a scene of, of two, two people together at, at the coffee table, they're, they're, or, or the bagel table, right? They're, they're fixing their bagel. These two guys are putting butter on their bagel. Shorts and flip-flops guy is standing right next to shirt and tie guy, and they're giving each other the once over. You know what I'm talking about? They're just kind of like... Hmm? Hmm. Just like this. And they're, they're, they're thinking thoughts, right? There are thought bubbles appearing above their head. Shorts and flip-flops guy is looking at shirt and tie guy going, okay, I guess you feel like you got to dress up for God, huh? Okay, yeah, do your thing. I guess, I guess you don't know that God sees the heart and you feel like, you like the, maybe God's impressed by your thing. And, and shirt and tie guy is, is looking at shorts and flip-flops guy going, so disrespectful, ugh. You know, and they're both looking at it. Look at, come on, come on. They're both looking at each other. They're both giving each other the once over. They're both making commentary in their head about how they dress. Neither one of these people has to worry about how anybody else dresses. Both of these people just need to keep their eyes focused on God, right? Yeah. 
They don't need to worry about what anybody else is doing or what anybody else is thinking or, or any of that. They just need to focus on God. So how about, here's another, here's another great differentiator. Let's talk about how we express ourselves in worship. This is fun. Right? Because some of you are very uh, still in your worship, right? If you grew up, if, you, if you're like me, you grew up in, in a Catholic church where, and I love my Catholic brothers and sisters, no shade, uh, uh, that's, that's awesome, but like, <laughs> God loves our Catholic brothers and sisters too right there. Either that or it was an F-18 on its way to the air show at Jones Beach. You pick. Okay, so, um, so, so, sorry? It's a sign. Thank you. Would you like to preach? You want to come up? I'm sorry. Okay. So, so some of you, if you grew up in a, in a very still church, you know, when you, when you, uh, when, you know, when the music's on, you kind of, you stood there your whole life and you, re- you held the book and you, re- you read the lyrics and, you, and maybe you sang, maybe you didn't. But now, you, you're, you're used to standing very still, but now you're at True North and the music is on and the music's good. I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of bopping like this. It's hard to stand still, so you're kind of the music con and you're kind of just, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, just, you got a little rhythm, you're tapping your foot, you're snapping your finger. I mean, unless you are totally white, you just have to do a little something, right? So, you're like trying to do something... You move a little bit. You can't help it. You got a little something going on, right? So you use a little something. And then, and, then, uh, and then there's some expression that happens. Sometimes you clap and you're clapping and you're with it. And then, and then people start getting their hands involved. And I don't mean clapping. But sometimes some, you'll see the first step is like someone will just start to do this. This is real close. It's real tight. Nobody notices. You just do this. You might cover your heart. You're doing this. And then the other hand gets involved. You And then, and then, and then, you know, two weeks later, you both your arms are up and you're dancing around, you're flailing around, and you're doing your thing, and you're just expressing yourself. And now, now there's two different people in the room, two different kinds of worship expressions happening. And and, and you know, uh, expressive guy is looking at standstill guy and going, man, you must not even be worshiping at all. You're just, you know, you're just standing still. And standstill guy is looking at the moving around guy, going, you are distracting everybody else around you. How come you're doing that? And nobody needs to be worried about what anybody else is. Doing, we all just need to be focused on God, right? We just. So let me ask you a question, and this is going to be a little gut check, okay? Suppose you are at the bagel table and you're preparing your, your little breakfast, your, your coffee or your snack or whatever, and you got your, your food getting ready, and somebody comes up next to you to prepare their ba- bagel and what if you smell this person before you see them? And I'm not talking about too much cologne. This also is a thing, but that's not what I'm talking about. What if you look to your right and this person looks back at you and their eyes are bloodshot and you can smell the alcohol coming off of them from last night? But they're in church today, and they're, 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 they're getting their bagel, and they're about to head into the same service you're about. What comes up in you? What rises up in you? Is there a little something that comes up in you that goes, whatever, dude. Okay. 
Or is what comes up in you compassion? Is there something that comes up in you that goes, man, we've all been there. I'm sorry you had a rough night, but you're in the right place. I'm not talking about what you say out loud. I'm talking about your inside voice. Everybody with me? What comes up on the inside? That's an important gut check. If we're going to be the bride of Christ and our eyes are on Jesus, we don't get to walk around. Can you imagine is there anything more off-putting than the notion of a conceited bride? Can you imagine a bride walking down the aisle to her groom, looking to her right and left, thinking, I am better than all these people. I can't believe any of these people are even here. Like, can you imagine a bride thinking disparaging thoughts about, about the other people. Like, it, it would, that would be gross. Like, that would be an awful, awful thing, an awful way for a person to operate. That is precisely what's going on in your heart and in your head. If you see someone else at church who maybe doesn't dress like you or worship like you or smell like you or maybe had a rough night like maybe you had once in your life and they're here and you see that difference and you see something that doesn't operate within your framework, if what comes up in you is a judgmental thought that's you walking in arrogance and that has no place in the church it has no place here because we're all of us broken we had some something happened in year two of our church I'll never forget this in year two of our church we had um the bagel table was set up. We, we've, had, we've had bagels almost. Food has been a part of our faith tradition <laughs> from the start. So our table at that point was a long table that you could approach from both sides. So it was like coffee stuff and then, and then food at, all at the same table. And people could come up. And we, at that point, uh, then, as we do now, we had several members of, uh, many members of the law enforcement community who attend our church who we love and support and thank for what they do. So, uh, but this buddy of mine, actually, I happen to know, was an off-duty Suffolk County police officer, and he's fixing his coffee. And I'm standing next to him at the table, and there's kind of people all around, and the guy, a guy comes up opposite him and start to fix, starts to fix his coffee, and I just was, happened to be in proximity close enough to observe an interchange. So a uh, police officer looks up. The other guy looks up. Their eyes meet. The police officer goes... And the guy across goes white as a sheet and goes like this. And I'm, I'm right next to him. And I, I, I saw the body language right away. And I was like, this is going to be good. <laughs> so my buddy says to the guy. And they walk down beyond the end of the table. And I, I went like this with my coffee. <laughs> and I got just close enough to hear the police officer say to this guy, didn't I arrest you last night? <laughs> this happened, this is real. Didn't I arrest you last night? And the guy looks back at him, I mean, white as a sheet, he goes, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I had a really bad night and I just, I'm out and I, I, I need to get my life right, and I just figured I should come to church. He goes, I didn't realize we went to the same church. I would have mentioned it when you were arresting me, and I thought that was a funny line. But he was terrified, the guy. And my friend had, had grace enough to say, 
dude, you got to put all that behind you. You're in the right place. I'm so glad you're here. And these two men walked into church, both of them broken, both of them sinners, both of them needing God's grace, both of them in the same spot in front of a level ground before the cross, worshiping the same God and receiving the same forgiveness. And I remember it was year two of our church. It was 15 years ago. I remember vividly thinking, that's the kind of church I want to have. I want to have a church where the cop and the criminal are like right next to each other and we're all together here because we're all criminals and we all have it in us to play cop once in a while and think we get to decide who's guilty and who's not. But that's the kind of church I want to I, I I have. And, and I want it known. Like, I just want it so in the DNA of the place that, that there's no judgment here. Because your judgment could cause someone else to stumble. This is from the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who's greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. And then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humble like a little child. A little child with no arrogance, with no, with no self-importance, just knows I'm loved and they've got their eyes on, the, on, on their, their daddy. Next verse. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, It'd be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Yeah, that's Jesus Christ talking here. You cause somebody to stumble, and this is the deal. When you come into church, you already feel like you're going to be judged. There are people who are not in church today because they're worried that people in the church would judge them. I feel like that just breaks God's heart. So if it's in you to see somebody who had a rough night, or to see somebody who doesn't dress the way you think a person should dress in church, or you see somebody who wants to worship in a way that maybe you're not comfortable with, or pick another differentiator. Somebody who doesn't think like you, act like you, look like you, vote like you, operate like you, or in any other way differentiates themselves from what you think a person ought to be. Your judgmental glance, that, that body language, that, that little flash of self-righteousness that pops up in you, that could cause someone else to stumble, and you're accountable for that. We're called to walk in utter humility like a bride approaching her groom, not worried who else was invited, not worried if we're better than anybody else, focused only on Jesus, who forgives us all for our many shortcomings. That's the kind of church I want this to be. But ultimately, I don't get to decide what kind of church this is going to be. You guys decide that. When I was a youth pastor many years ago, I was at a conference, and I was in the stage of my life when I was a youth pastor, but I knew I wanted to plant a church. And uh, I was at a conference, a youth 
a youth workers conference, and I heard a speaker by the name of Tony Campolo. Campolo was a sociologist, a sociology professor at Eastern University. He was also a pastor. And he got invited to speak at an event in Honolulu, Hawaii. So he, he tells this story of how he got on the plane and flew to Hawaii, and there's a pretty big time difference. It's like 10 or 11 hour time difference between here and Hawaii. So, you know, it's, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and he's in, in, in his bed staring at the ceiling because his body thinks it's like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So he's, he's, you know, staring at the ceiling, and he's trying to fall asleep, and he just can't. He's wide awake, and he's hungry. So he decides he's going to go looking for some food. Walks out of the hotel, and even, even in a bustling city like Honolulu, the place is pretty well dead by 2 a.m. He couldn't find any place. Eventually, he kind of wanders around a little bit, and he finds this little, little, little street where there's a diner, a 24-hour diner open, and it was a legit old-school greasy spoon. Like, he walked in, and it was so small, there weren't even booths and tables. It was just a counter, like a lunch counter and a bunch of stools. And he was the only one in the place. He walked in, he sat down, and uh, began to eat. Uh, he, he, you know, the guy brought him a cup of coffee and he had a donut. So he's eating. This is around 2.30. So he's eating, you know, his donut and making small talk with the cook. And right around 3 o'clock, five prostitutes walked into the diner, finished with their evening's work, and they sat down on either side of him and started talking. And they were just, you know, busy and talking and, and high energy, and he was actually at that point just starting to, to start to get sleepy again. And so he's, but he's kind of listening, and these girls are talking to each other. And this one girl, two stools down from him, has mentioned now twice that tomorrow is her birthday. She, and she, she finds a way to work it into the conversation. Well, tomorrow's my birthday. And, and finally, one of her friends goes, oh, Agnes, we know it's your birthday. What do you want, a cake? We get it. You know, so they're kind of teasing each other the way friends do. And uh, Agnes replies, no one's ever made a birthday cake for me in my entire life. I don't expect a birthday cake out of you guys. And then she laughed and changed the subject, and it kind of moved on from there. After an interval of time, these, these ladies finished their, what they were eating and drinking, and they left. Now Campolo is alone again with the cook. And he says to him, those girls, they come in here every night? And the cook goes, yeah like clockwork. And he said, that woman, two seats down from me with the birthday, and the cook goes, Agnes. He goes, yeah, Agnes. It's her birthday tomorrow. This is going to sound so weird. But if I buy a bunch of streamers and balloons and stuff tomorrow, could we have a birthday party for Agnes here tomorrow night? And the cook goes, are you serious? And Capola goes, yeah, 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 I'm serious. And the cook goes, hey, Jane, get out of here. You're not going to believe this. His wife is like back there the whole time doing something. She comes out. And he says, this guy wants to have a birthday party for Agnes. She goes, Agnes. He goes, yeah. And she looks at Campolo and goes, what, what are you, like her best customer? And he goes, no. No, 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 no. I just was here and I overheard what she was saying. And she's like, well, who are you? He's like, well, I'm, I'm visiting Honolulu. I'm speaking at a, a, an event. And she goes, what kind of event? And she just keeps asking questions. And he doesn't want to give it up. But eventually she's like, what are you doing here? And he said, I'm a pastor. And the two of them are like, oh, come on. And he's like, look, I know you don't believe me. I'm serious. I'm going to go out tomorrow and buy streamers and balloons and a cake. And the, and the cook goes, no, 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 no. I'll make the cake. I'll do the cake. You're serious? I'm serious. Okay, let's go. So this happens. He goes out and he buys a bunch of streamers. 
And he comes back the next night at two o'clock to get ready. And Jane, the cook's wife, had put the word out that there was going to be a a birthday party for Agnes, and every prostitute in Honolulu comes to the diner. So it's Tony Campolo, the preacher, a diner full of prostitutes, and they're all waiting for Agnes to show up. So they're, they're ready, and they've got the cake, and they've got the place, and she walks in the door, and they yell, surprise! And she, like, her knees went weak, and she, she couldn't believe it, and she wept, and she was like, you guys, like, I, don't even, I don't even know what to say. And it was like this beautiful, wonderful, glorious moment, and she blew out, they sang to her, and she blew out the candles, and it came time for her now to cut the cake. And so uh, the cook gives her the, the, the knife and says, okay, Agnes, let's go cut the cake. And she was like, I... I don't want to cut it. It's so beautiful. And she says, guys, this is going to be weird, but could I just, could I show this to my mom? And they're all like, what? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I live two doors down. I'm, I live right, right here on this street, two doors down, and my mom's there. And I just want her to see that somebody made me a cake. And everyone kind of just looked at their shoes and went, Sure, I mean, it's your cake, Agnes. Go right ahead. And she leaves and, and, and brings the cake up. And 10 minutes later, she comes back with just this humongous grin and puts the cake down and cuts the cake. And everyone gets, everyone gets a piece. And, and everyone's just kind of celebrating. And now Campolo's kind of slipping off to the side. And now he's down the end of the, end of the lunch counter kind of looking over this whole thing that he started. And he's just like sipping his coffee and grinning and just happy. And eventually, somebody goes, hey, whose idea was this anyway? And the cook goes, that guy down the end. And everyone kind of looks and goes, who are you? What are you doing here? And Jane goes, he's a preacher. (laughs) And everyone's like, come on. And she's like, that's what he told me. And now they're asking him questions. You're a pastor? You're a preacher? What are you doing here? What's the deal? Why are you, why are you, what? And, And finally somebody goes, what kind of church do you pastor? And according to Tony Campolo, God gave him words in that moment. And he said, I pastor the kind of church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3 o'clock in the morning. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I remember being in my 20s and thinking, that's the kind of church I want to pastor. That's the kind of church I want to go to. I want to be a part of something like that. I want to be a part of a deal where the cops and the criminals and the prostitutes and the virgins and the saints and the sinners and everybody, everybody in the whole deal just comes and understands that we're all God's kids and we're all broken and we're all pretty messed up in our own way and all we need to do, all of us, is quit worrying about what everyone else is thinking and what everybody else is doing and keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who forgives us, the one one who cleanses us from all that deep stuff, that dark stuff that never comes up at parties, that stuff that never comes up in polite conversation, all those secrets, all that secret stuff that you keep to your inside voice. We come to Jesus and he erases all that. When we turn from our sins and turn from him, we become the bride of Christ. We become the body of Christ. That's the kind of church I want to lead. That's the kind of church I want to go to. And I think the same is true of you, yes? So, then, respectfully, we got some work to do. 
We've got some work to do. We need to check our hearts and look to everyone around us in love and acceptance and encouragement and forgiveness because that's the way God looks at us. We're going to pick it up right from here for part three next Sunday. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we get it backwards, Father. We just want to confess together that we get this backwards. We look to others. We look at others in judgment. We look at others thinking we're a little bit superior. We can't believe they got invited to the wedding. We're just a little bit uh, precious about, about who we think should be insiders and who gets to, to be a part of this thing. And what we ought to be doing, Father, is not focusing on the splinter in someone else's eye, but on the plank in our own. And so we're praying, bring a little conviction to us. We know the kind of congregation we want to be. Now we have to make it so. Make it so in my life. Make it so in all our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give. Or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word truenorth to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.